Being around sports media and a fan of, oh, my NC State Wolfpack for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed magic in Chicago, Michael in LA and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former sports center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week of the podcast, Trey and Kevin will probably open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment for the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall. Legacies will change forever. New goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It's Friday, July 31st. My, oh, my, where has the time gone? Football's getting close. And today we're going to talk some breakout offenses. We did breakout defenses with Bryant McFadden yesterday. Uh, joining me now to do that as well as chat some news. Ryan Wilson and uh, a better-looking version of John Breach, Tyler Sullivan. Sully, what's up? What's going on? Well, how you doing? How you doing, guys? Hey, what's going on? I so, Tyler, do you go by Tyler or Sully? Sully, more, 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 more often Sully than anything else, which uh, makes me very original for Boston. It is just right. I am a one of a kind. Uh, we're also on YouTube. If you want to see uh, if Sully's Boston uh, face matches his Boston accent, you can go to YouTube.com/slash Pick Six. And even if you don't want to watch on YouTube, which you should, because it'll be fun and awesome, uh, you can so hit the subscribe button. So we appreciate anybody who just goes to YouTube.com slash Pick 6, hits the subscribe button. We boost our numbers. We get the pizza party. And if you really want to help us out, the final day for the People's Choice Podcast Award voting is happening right now. Please go to uh, the link in the description, and you can click on it, and it'll take you to a, a login page. There's three fields, I think, that you have to fill in very fast. And then you can hit drop down under People's Choice uh, find pick six there, drop down under sports, find pick six there and vote for us. If we win, it won't be a pizza party. It will be, we have, we, we have said, if we win that award, we will do a drunken mailbag as in we will get hammered and then answer mailbag questions. So, hey, uh, something to, to point out because I saw that your buddy, Jamie Eisenberg, our buddy, Jamie Eisenberg, fantasy football today podcast. He's promised to do something a little more exciting than get drunk into a podcast. He will shave his head if they win. Yeah, I will. So, you won't. All right. Well, I was going to put that. I, I, I will shave your head if we win. I was going to say I was going to make that joke to Jamie, but it didn't seem very funny. Yeah. You shaving your head would be something else. Yeah, there's no chance I would do that. Yeah, you know why? Devo, uh, will you shave the sides of your head if if we win? <laughs> yeah, that's that's easy for me. It seems like you don't want this award, Will. I, I do. Know. I'm not. I'm not shaving my head. Debo, here's the problem, and, and Sully, this will be, you may have heard this, these wow, rumors. Fantasy true. Footballers won 2019 People's Choice Award? That's impressive. The reason that Brinson doesn't want to do this is because he has hair plugs, and when you shave hair plugs, they don't grow back. So that's that's understandable. Makes sense. Uh, by the way, just some uh, some previous winners of the People's Choice Podcast Awards, uh, the Fantasy Footballers, or the overall People's Choice Award. That's, that's impressive. Uh, Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Sounds fun. A Big Girl Money. Good night stories for rebel girls. Yikes. Hmm. The reasons oh, I'm broke. 
No, yeah, if I think I did. Make, a, yeah, that's a good one. Is it good? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, don't know. I don't know. I just I can relate to it. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say, um, I've been doing a few times. If these ovaries could talk, these sound like I can CBS also relate. sitcoms. Yeah, right real life, real crime. Ooh. Today, comma explained. Better work, bitch. <laughs> Which uh, actually won in religion and spirituality. Which oh, of course, yeah. Didn't see it Makes sense, as it should. Uh, the Brain Candy Podcast, 30 for 30. Why'd you push that button? Which is actually a podcast that my son and I do, uh, a weekly podcast when he breaks some sort of device that we have here. Also yeah. sounds like a terrible game show. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and so those are, some, uh, those are some winners right there. Oh, very esteemed company if you happen to join that group. Mm, indeed. By the way, it's, it feels like the, so the legacy awards, we're actually up for the sports category, which is called the ESPN fantasy focus football category. It's like they, they, they named it after them, which is a, a little tough. Like, can they win again? Can they win within their own category? Cause that feels well, a little going to shave his head. He's actually willing to put something on, on, uh, on offer. By the way, I want to point out quickly. I watched, uh, the first few minutes of your podcast with Prisco on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And shout out to Debo for defending himself over his uh, toucan shirt against YouTube jabronis. I thought he he quit himself quite well. Yeah, these guys cannot pull that off. I, I saw them out and about in Miami. It's it's not something they could pull off, and I think it was just jealousy, especially from Pete. Um, <laughs> I love Debo that you made that part uh, strictly so we could just see all three of you talking, and then once you got finished dunking on him, you just kindly removed yourself from the video. I didn't. Think I bashed the shirt that much? You're a you're a globber on. So once Prisco got going, you just like yeah yeah right. Keep going, Pete. That's you. I mean, it seemed like a little. I mean, like he's Debo's on a video. Like he's just sitting around casually wearing this shirt. Like if Sully was showed up, if Sully showed up with a toucan shirt on right now, wouldn't you be like, hey Sully, what's going on? That's- I do have a flamingo shirt. I can I can put that out if we really need it next time. Right, yeah, we should come back to that, Brenson. Uh, I got nothing. I'll, I'll put on a Hawaii. I'll tell you what. Next week, we'll all do Hawaiian shirts for the Friday podcast. How about that? Or you just incorporate it into the drunk uh, podcast when you guys win in the mail, yep. drunk mailbag. You just That's right. Do, like a I Hawaiian wear thing. a Hawaiian shirt for a week for for three weeks. The same Hawaiian shirt. I will podcast in the same Hawaiian shirt for three weeks and we win this award. Jamie is right. shaving his head. Why not? Let me grow back. I ain't shaving my head. I would rather see Azer shaving his head. The risk that my hair doesn't come back is just too great. That's a real risk. That you're yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Will, because I'm getting older too, and it's just you know I don't know what's going on up there. I'm getting a little <laughs> my, nervous, so I'm my, trying to preserve everything. My cousin Jay is on my dad's side, so like I, I think I get my hair mostly from my my mom's father, and like most people, but he he had great hair. But my my cousin Jay on my dad's side shaved his head for 250 bucks in high school, and it it grew back with curls. Oh no no it, yeah, it grew back with like curls, and then and then just fell out. And so like he yeah, he's been bald ever since. I'm not I'm just not I'm, I'm not here for it. I'm not I'm not shaving my head. And it seems like a medical marble. He might want to check in with uh <laughs> some doctors to figure out what's going on there. All right. So Damian Williams <laughs> has opted out for the 2020 season. I'm laughing because on uh Wednesday when it was announced our boss Eric K, uh, affectionately known as EK, suggested rather firmly that we do an emergency Damian Williams ops out podcast. Uh, we got some notes about it on Twitter, not a ton. There was no chance in hell we were doing an emergency Damian Williams ops out podcast. 
Uh, I was trying to sort of figure out what Ryan would suggest and it involved a lot of swear words and you're crazy. The line, you're crazy. There was Ryan. I mean, what are we doing? We're doing a Damien Williams Devo. Was there, did you consider that? Yeah, it's, it's a consideration. I mean, Come. it's pretty unique for a player that almost won Super Bowl MVP to opt out of a season, an unprecedented season, but ultimately I was on your side. It'll be interesting because there'll be more guys over the next week. And I think that situation is going to pop up for us maybe a couple times if, if we go up or not for an emergency. What, Ryan, what is the level of player that you would need to see opt out to, to warrant a, uh, well, this harkens back to the t-shirt I got made, the Brian De La Puente t-shirt. <laughs> you know the story, Devo? No. Uh, certainly not. But this must have been five years ago, I bet, when we were all just, uh, we, oh, yeah. yeah, maybe more than that. Cause Pat Curran was still, like, he would come down for the, the visits in Florida when we all got together every year. And cause he asked me specifically why are you wearing a Brian De La Puente t-shirt. But, uh, EK, when he was, uh, editorial oversight of NFL, we were writing all the time. Said, uh, Brian De La Puente's retired. We need something on that right now. And I, Brian De La Puente like, signs two-year, like, $5 million deal with Bears. It could be anything involving Brian De La Puente other than running a 45-minute marathon, a breach-length marathon, and it's not newsworthy. So whatever the story was, we were like, uh. De La Puente dying, maybe? Would yeah, but sports-related, it has to be something pretty miraculous. And Brian it, De La Puente. Pitches a no hitter. That's, that's newsworthy. But what happened was when, when this was suggested, it was like, it was like, it was in campfire, but it was basically slack, same setup. You know, everybody's in there. And I mean, Ryan was apoplectic that, that like anybody would suggest we needed a Brian De La Puente story. And we all sort of came to his defense. We're like, ah, you know, we really don't know that a Brian De La Puente signs story is necessarily worth it. And eventually like this huge argument ensued between editors and writers. And finally Ryan's like, it. I'll write the Brian De La Puente story. Became, I don't remember all that stuff. Are you making that part up? Oh, that definitely happened. There was a, it was oh. a huge fight. A, like, we're, Are you sure? Yes. Guys, this is a little too much to write a Brian De La Puente. And so then Ryan make, has, makes his own Brian De La Puente t-shirt. And Online, where, 20 bucks for it. Where is it to the NFL Summit in Florida that year? Walks in on day one with Brian De La Puente, just like a big F you to the editors. And Pat, Pat, well, that was Pat a joke. Carver. I was saying F you. Pat Carver was like, why are you wearing a Brian De La Puente shirt? I don't know. <laughs> this league, man, wow. So there's a precedent for the Damian Williams thing. Damian Williams is obviously more important news, <laughs> news-wise than Brian De La Puente, but, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I'm fine not doing a Brian De La, uh, excuse me, a Damian Williams emergency podcast. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. no. I, don't, I don't think. I mean, listen. You know, he's probably going to get replaced at some point, right? Like during the season, they they spent a first round pick on Clyde Edwards-Helaire. I mean, if we're really going to be honest about it, Andy Reid probably tried to replace him last year with Lashawn McCoy. Like it just he ended up being the Super Bowl hero, but ultimately, like his time was going to be up sooner rather than later. Yeah, he was not. Um... Ek, that was Tyler Sullivan talking. Just so you know, it's okay. It's you're fine. It's fine. Ek, you got Clyde Edwards-Helaire. You're great. I mean, they, they drafted, like, they were, they were definitely looking, they were looking to replace him, but I mean, are they, I think what they were going to do in 2020 was have Clyde Edwards-Alaire operate the same way that Brian Westbrook, um, and then LaShawn McCoy did for Andy Reid as rookies, which is to give them maybe like somewhere between a third and half of the snaps and touches and, and all of that, because you don't want to load up a rookie too much with, with too much responsibility, even in that offense, as talented as they might be. And so I think Edwards-Alaire was probably set, 
to have a, a nice season, but not the season everybody was hoping for. And then to be the full-time guy next year after Damian Williams contract has expired. Now you're putting a lot of pressure on, on, um, on, on Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Damian Williams led the Chiefs in rushing last year, 498 yards, five touchdowns, um, total of 711 yards and scored, um, God, he scored 10 touchdowns in the postseason. Is that right? I don't know. They scored a lot of in two years total. Oh, yeah. Over the course of his career. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know who else secretly this is really good news for? Darwin Thompson. That's a great he, call. Yeah. He didn't play a lot last year. Me and Jamie actually talked to him at the Super Bowl and he said, if I don't get more playing time and, and improve in year two, then something's gone wrong. And that was before obviously they drafted Clyde Edwards Alaire. But the fact that Damian Williams isn't there takes him now from number three back to number two, presumably, unless something happens in training camp in, in terms of the, the, the roster. So he could be a guy poised to, to have, um, sneakily a very good year too. And we talk about pressure though, you know, with, with, with Clyde Edwards Hilaire, like, yes, there's pressure because he's probably the inside track to start, but at the same time, he's in the middle of the Kansas City Chiefs offense. I think opposing defenses are going to be worried about like 50 other things outside of the rookie running back. I mean, like, they're obviously going to try to run the football and things like that, but when you have Patrick Mahomes, you know, Tyree Kill and all those other boys, like, it's, you know, you get down a little bit far, far down the list before you start talking about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Let, me ask you Let me ask you this quickly. Who's under more pressure um, next year? Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Devin Singletary, or Daryl Henderson? Uh, I would go Singletary just because they drafted uh, Moss. Zach Moss, yeah. Uh, I mean, in terms of how he fits in that offense, too, because Patrick Mahomes can take a lot of pressure off of people. Well, remember, I mean, like, and we've seen a rookie running back with the Chiefs back in 2017 without, with Kareem Hunt, and he was playing with uh, Alex Smith, obviously, that year. But he had 1,327 yards from scrimmage. So, you what, happened can, week, what happened in that week one game? Do you remember? Nope, don't remember. No idea <laughs> I was like, what? I, was like, <laughs> I love having a Patriots guy on there. You can just make those little <laughs> cutting remarks. It wasn't even just that game either. I mean, he he was torching the Patriots. Green Bay was great in that offense. Yeah, and he had 53 catches that year too. And I think Edwards Hilaire too, like, Let's not sleep on the fact that this is a guy who played in, you know, against tough, de- the top, you know, played against SEC competition, high level competition, played really well. He's a great receiver out of the backfield. And I think, you know, with the Kareem Hunt stuff, he wasn't asked to, I mean, he was really more the focal point. And as you guys note, Clyde Oversolaire is not going to be the focal point of this offense. Now he probably will be the primary running back, but he's not going to be asked to be the guy, you know, game in and game out because Mahomes can, you know, can, do so many different things. Additionally, I don't think that with Mahomes, you know, they lost, uh, Laurent, uh, Devarney, uh, I can never say his name right. Um, it's mangled French, but the point being is that, you know, I think Mahomes can mitigate some of the pass protection responsibilities for a first year running back with the way that he moves his feet and with how, you know, you know, how crazy he is in terms of his throws. So this is a big deal. For a team that is the best team in football and is looking to repeat at the Super Bowl, but I don't think it sinks the Chiefs' battleship or anything like that. Ah, no, LDT. You can refer, refer to him as LDT. Laurent Duvernay Tardif. There we go. LDT. LDT. Um, no, of course not. He'll basically, if he provides what Damian Williams provided last year, they'll be in great shape. He's not going to be asked to do a bunch. I mean, uh, Sully mentioned that uh, Devin Singletary has a lot of work to do in that backfield because if Josh Allen ain't clicking on all cylinders, a lot of it's going to fall on him and Zach Moss. So I think if you're going to be a rookie uh, rookie running back, the literally the best place to be is either Baltimore or Kansas City. So I think Edwards Little will be fine. 
I think the only thing you just got to point out, though, you know, it, it is significant in the sense with, with Damian Williams is just because there is, you know, there really hasn't been an offseason for, for these guys. So rookies just in general are going to, I think, struggle a little bit out of the gate here, learning the playbook. You know, they're not going to have any preseason reps. So it's going to be a little bit different for these guys. But overall, I, I do think, like, like we've been saying, I think he's going to be fine. Uh, from a fantasy football perspective, because sometimes people don't want to listen to Adam Azer blather on incessantly about things. So they come to this podcast for the fantasy takes. I'm not so sure I wouldn't take him top five. <laughs> like, I mean, if he's the guy in Kansas City, now there's a lot of risk with it, but the upside is there. I, I wouldn't take him over Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley or Zeke Elliott. And I don't think I would take him over Alvin Kamara just because we know what Kamara's done. And you know, there's not going to be, you know, there might be an injury, but that's not something you could forecast, but there's not going to be like some, you know, rookie wall or struggles of pass protection or competition with Darwin Thompson or, uh, who, who else did they sign in? Um, oh God, they signed, uh, uh, DeAndre Washington who actually played at Texas Tech with Patrick Mahomes. So, I mean, like, there's, you know, there's a case that maybe Edward Solaire could get it mixed up, but I think you'll see him go in the top ten in almost every draft uh, as we start moving along the season. Yeah, I think he was, in, you know, a first, at least in the discussions, to be a first-round pick for, you know, over the course of the summer. This only just kind of solidifies that. I don't know if he's going to be top five, because I, I think I would still, you know, along with those guys that you said, like, I'd probably still go with, like, Dalvin Cook over him, you know, I, I would probably lean towards Dalvin Cook if like I'm, I'm on the clock and those two guys are there. But overall, I mean, they have a history, at least Andy Reid does, of having a rookie running back lead the league in rushing. Like, and this guy is really has no competition and he's going to be probably at best, maybe the fourth most accounted for guy on that offense with opposing defenses. So yeah, no, it's, it, it makes a lot of sense. Okie doke. Uh, would you say that? Wait a second. No Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt in that top. I would put, I would, I'd rather Nick Chubb. I would rather Nick Chubb. Even though Kareem Hunt with that timeshare does better. Oh man, you get Nick Chubb in the second round. Yeah, you can. Okay. Like you could almost pull off Clyde Edwards Hilaire into Nick Chubb if you got him at like an eight. I think that could, that could easily happen. Uh, some people, I got pushed back from some folks and I said that, that they would rather have Dalvin Cook. What about Derrick Henry? Where does he fit in? Second round, I would probably say. Hmm. All right. Derrick Henry will probably go first round, but I'm not taking him until the second round. Yeah. Um, like if I have 10, 11, like if I'm, if I'm there, then maybe at 11, I'd be like, or, 11, okay, cool. yeah, like, or let's say you have 12 and yeah, 10. Sure. And, yeah. Same thing. Yeah. 12, like at 12 and 13, I don't think Clyde Edwards Hilaire will make it to 12, but I would totally go Clyde Edwards Hilaire, Nick Chubb or Clyde Edwards Hilaire, um, Joe Mixon at 12, 13, depending on, I mean, let like, me ask this. Mixon's a good comp. Like would you rather have Mixon or Clyde Edwards Hilaire? Who's going to have a better season, fantasy wise or just straight up NFL production wise? Austin Eckler or Edwards Alaire? Because I feel like they're not that dissimilar in terms of expectations and the way they play. I would probably roll with Cloud Edwards Alaire. Just I like the upside. I want to, I want as much as as much as I can get a starter in the Chiefs offense. I think I'm going to do that. Like we don't know exactly what the Chargers offense is going to look like. What you know, how long Tyrod Taylor is going to be in there. Uh, you know, when does Justin Herbert come in? What does that look like? Like, there's a little bit more unknown there. If I can get a starting player in the Chiefs offense at any point, I'm probably going to go that route. Yeah, I think that's that's sort of like I don't trust Anthony Lynn in the Chargers to properly run the ball a ton. I know, but like they had Austin Eckler like cooking last year to start the season without Melvin Gordon, and they brought Gordon back and fed him the ball, and they often slowed down. So I don't know that I trust them as much. I trust Andy Reid implicitly to get the most out of his skill position guys. All right. Uh, um, Okay, so would you say that 
so where does where does this rank in terms of most important opt outs so far? We've got uh, LDT as we mentioned, who is opt. I think it's behind, it's clearly behind him. Who he's a starter in the offensive line, and that's more important than a running back. And no, you know, no disrespect to him, Amy Williams, but reality is. So obviously he's behind Marcus Cannon and Dante Hightower and Patrick Chung. Yeah, in my in my mind, I mean, where uh, we we touched on this last uh, last podcast or earlier this week, but since you're here, Sully, I'm curious what you think. Where are you at on the uh, Patriots players who opted out and like and where where's your head out on like. You're Is he going to rip up his face and have a Trevor Lawrence mask on underneath? Yeah, I'm going to do the, gonna, instead of a super cam, I'm just going to rip open like it's a, like it's a Trevor Lawrence jersey. No, but like, it's not great. I mean, for the Patriots, I mean, obviously, like, you, I mean, we're, we're recording this on Thursday this morning. There was a, a lot of news about Matthew Slater almost opting out. He almost came to that decision. The and, ultimate Bill Belichick guy. And so you're looking at that and, and I was writing that story and basically talked about how this has been an offseason where not only are you losing like high profile guys, you're losing all of your leaders. I mean, Brady, Van Noy, Hightower, uh, Deron Harmon. And all of a sudden, if you lose a guy like, like Matthew Slater too, who's literally breaking the huddles in the locker room after every single game, like that's tough. It's basically at that point, just McCourty. So you need leadership in there. I know people are like, okay, who cares? Slater's a gunner. Like, but if you're around New England and you follow that team a lot, you realize how important that guy is to just the locker room and the culture. There's a reason why Matthew Slater, who is just a special teams guy, has been on that team and consistently re-upped with his standard contract or a little bit of a raise for like 12 years. And by the way, fun fact, uh, David, I told you this with Matthew Slater, how I went to the Super Bowl in Indy, Ryan's first Super Bowl, uh, my second one, I think, right? Um, I go up to the podium and I started to ask him a question and, and, he, and he's like, I, I thought he was a different guy. Oh, good. Oh, great. Awesome. Really Who do you think he was? What's that? Uh, I don't. He thought he was Josh McDaniels. Julian Edelman. <laughs> Danny Amendola, totally fine. I, I can't remember who I thought it was. Maybe. It was, <laughs> I think I thought he was a cornerback and, or I, I can't remember what exactly what it was, but I thought I was at, and he was like, I mean, maybe I thought he was a McCourty. Mm-hmm. Hey, look, pro tip. When you go up to talk to someone at a, at a, Names. They have names right they above. And I realized that I was like, oh my God, this is literally the most embarrassing thing he's ever had. They happened. oftentimes wear their jerseys too. Yeah. Well, he's <laughs> on a podium though. And that threw me too. Like, what was Matthew Slater doing on a podium? <laughs> this is 2011. It was crazy. Uh, but it, that goes back to Bill Belichick. Like he put him on a podium. Yeah. They pick who yeah. goes on podiums. Yeah. They put Slater on a podium. All right. So anyway, um, yeah, I, I, I am a little concerned about the old, uh, the old Patriots this year. Yeah. Right? Same here. Same here. All right, Sully, as a Pat's homer, what what's the over under in Vegas, Brenson? Questions you don't have the answer to for the Patriots. You know that? I think it's nine or nine, I think it's nine and a half. Nine and a half, Sully. What do you got? I'd probably go under. I think they're probably you know nine. I think they are. I mean, you know, listen, we don't know. I mean, sure, if Cam Newton is Cam Newton, then yeah, sure, you know, pound the over. But we don't know that. I mean, we know that he's pissed off and he wants to be great and go on this, you know, fu tour. But we don't know if that thing's actually going to work out well. And and so, you know, if he's not great, then you're throwing in maybe Stidham at some point. Like, and we don't know what he looks like. I think he's. I think they're all you know have the potential to be great. But we have no idea what this offense is going to look like. We don't even know what the offensive line is going to look like right now. I mean, we talk about Cannon, but, you know, we don't know what David Andrews is going to look like to start in center. He was out all last year with blood clots. He says he's going to play, but, like, 
We're talking about these opt-outs and stuff now. We, we don't know what that's going to look like, even though he thinks he's going to. And then at left tackle, Isaiah Wynn, he hasn't been healthy yet. He, you know, first round pick in 2018, uh, 2019, uh, 2019, I think. And, uh, he hasn't been healthy throughout the course of his career. So you're talking about your left tackle, your center and your right tackle. I don't care if it's Tom Brady under center. Like it's just not not going to work if that's the case. And Sony Michelle, who I know, you know, not well loved by Patriots fans because he hadn't run very well, and they could have had Lamar Jackson instead. Um, he uh, he's. We don't I would have taken Nick Chubb. I would have taken his teammate. You know exactly. Um, by the way, the Pats over right now at William Hill is uh, nine and a half plus one forty, and the under is nine and a half minus one sixty five. So I think. I mean, that makes that's that's about right. I think that's shifted since in the last 48 hours. And their yeah, schedule's particularly tough, tough too. Yeah, I, so, I mean, you're getting plus money if you if you think they'll win 10 games. Yeah, yeah I like that. I, I Just because they're the Patriots. And every year, I know Tom Brady isn't there and all that. But Bill Belichick's there and Josh McDaniel's there. I wouldn't lay a buck 65 to fade Bill Belichick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, like that's... That's fair. If it were, if it were nine... Then I might take the under. I would probably still take the under at even. I'd rather take the the under nine at even money, because you got to put. You know, you can push whatever, but you're not. You know, ten's going to beat you either way. So I. That, Do you have um the William Hill, William Hill odds still up? Uh, I don't because, but I can um, but I can you, tell you, I can tell you anything you want because Debo is 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 uh. Debo, I should be talking world, to him. Well, he's the world's best producer, and he and he like while I'm what talking the, while we're talking, he goes and gets the the numbers and sends them. What do the bills look like? Mm, they can't question. be higher than nine and a half, I would imagine, right? I feel like the they just be nine, nine, and it's it's even at uh, minus one ten on both the over and under at nine. Eva, do you nah. have open? Because William Hill is sort of hard to navigate. No, it's not. It's extremely easy. I don't. I don't mean it like that. I mean that I. There's a. What are the what are the divisional odds, Diva, for the for the AFC East? Or the I would think that the Bills now would be. Minus one fifteen, and the Pats would be like plus one twenty five. Interesting, you say that because the Bills and the Patriots are both plus one twenty five, and then the Jets and Dolphins are both both plus seven fifty. Okay, interesting, and th- that that means the Bills have closed the gap though, because the Bills are like plus one forty, and the Pats were even. What more. in the world do they have to do to take over the Patriots? I mean, they're stacked. The Bills are on paper. The Patriots are going in the wrong direction. The Sellies talked about. They've lost key players. Said, I don't want to bet against Bill Belichick. That's what oh, they have to Belichick do. Belichick needs to opt out of the season. Then it's then it's the. <laughs> what if he opted out? <laughs> yeah. What are, they, what are the rules on coaches? It's not that crazy. He could opt out and let McDaniel's coach this year. He ain't going to do that, but I mean, are there? Have, and then they go, or just let his kid do it. I mean, he's got two of his kids on the staff now. What if he opts out and they go three and thirteen? It's not on his record. He opted out because he's older and he's tried to avoid getting corona. And all of a sudden, you, you know, you've got Trevor Lawrence, Bill Belichick strolling back in with the, like the WWE walk. I mean, like, I mean, it's trouble. And then in two years, after he wins the Super Bowl with Trevor Lawrence, he retires, and his son, as Silly takes points out, takes over and hopskit, uh, hopscotches Josh McDaniels. It's not out of the realm of possibility. It, 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 it seems like he's on the fast track, right? I mean, he's, I, I wrote about it in the underrated storylines piece we did for uh, CBS. And it was uh, one of them is we don't know who the defensive coordinator is. Like, you know, it could be dry Mayo, but it could be Steve Belichick. And if that's the case, one step away from, from filling the shoes of his old dad, of his dad there. Uh, by the way, Bruce Arians said he's going to wear a mask and a face shield on the, uh, on while, while he's coaching in 2020 and that he's comfortable with the uh, with the protocols, which is kind of interesting, uh, Wilson. In in other uh, Corona news, uh, Caleb Farley, a potential first round pick out of Virginia Tech, a cornerback, 
is going to is the first player to come out and say he's going to he's opted out of the 2020 college football season and he's going to prepare for the draft uh, within about I think with, I think this happened on Wednesday morning maybe that yeah. that news sort of popped out and Wednesday afternoon the ACC announced that it was doing a modified uh, ten game conference only schedule you can play one out of conference person but it has to be you have to play it in your home state and you sort of there's no dates for any of these games so there's a very much up in the end whether there's going to be college football do you like the move by farley here and, and how does it change his draft stock yeah so this is interesting i was surprised um just because we hadn't heard any college players say anything yet even though there had been some rumblings that maybe this would be the eventual course some of these kids took um so i watched him earlier this summer just getting ahead, getting ready for the 2020 season He's good. He's really good. Virginia Tech wasn't great last year, but he was like a, he's a first round player. And I think Schefter mentioned that. And, um, uh, I know JJ was on HQ on Wednesday, Jonathan Jones talking about that. And, and some of the scouts he spoke with thought of him as a high round pick. So, um, his mother, I think died from, um, I'm not sure if she had cancer, but that's part his, of the reason. His statement in opting out said, I cannot afford to lose another parent or loved one. Uh, the competitor to me badly wants to play the season. I kind of cannot ignore what's going on in my heart and I must make the decision that brings me the most peace. Sure. I get it, man. Yeah. hundred percent. He's six two, 200 pounds. He's a great cover corner, physical, so on and so forth. I think I had him, um, just sort of my preliminary list. I've watched like 10 or 11 cornerbacks so far. He was number two behind Patrick Sertain out of, uh, Alabama, whose dad played in the NFL for quite a while. We are so uh, old. No kidding. So, yeah, good for him. I have no issue with it. The only thing I would point out, um, a lot of times what happens during the draft process is you forget about these players. Like a, an example would be Bryce Hall, who didn't sit out last year, but he had an ankle injury and missed much of the season. He, if he'd come out uh, a year ago, he would have been a first or second round pick. I think he'd end up going day three guy, maybe fifth round even to the Jets. Uh, big, fast, strong receiver, uh, cornerback, excuse me. That ankle injury hobbled him last year. Um, Farley won't have that that concern because his tape is his tape. We'll see in, in terms of where we are in the senior bowl, if that's going to happen, and if he if he gets invited there and if he plays there, and then all the pre-draft process, how that looks. But if he runs well, I don't know how he couldn't be a first-round pick just because he didn't play uh, what could end up being a modified college football season. It's kind of crazy, too. Like, you could sit out the whole season and then blow up during the draft process. That, too. It won't, it won't matter what you did. You know, like your tape. You could leave, like, if you had a bad 2019 season, that's, that's different, but this guy's leaving college with good tape. He's going to spend a year training. He's going to get to train for both senior bowl activities and for combine activities, and he can come out and, and show out. And if he, he, he hasn't that, played a lot of football, but I mean, NFL is full of kids who didn't play a lot of football and went on to have really successful careers. Right. Absolutely. All right. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll do breakout offenses. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, 
Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, so you guys have a list of breakout offenses, and I'll probably lob some out there like I did with BMAC on breakout defenses. He actually had the Redskins and the Cardinals as possible breakout defenses. Kind of interesting. Uh, Wilson, you have listed, and this is uh, great news for the Super Bowl, my early Super Bowl choice. Uh, BMAC listed this team as a possible breakout defense, and you have them also as a possible breakout offense, the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, I, I picked this to – because I figured, I figured you'd be on board with it. I mean, it starts with Phil Rivers and, and that's, that's easy enough. Uh, that's a clear upgrade at the, at the quarterback position. Um, you and I both didn't hate Jacoby Brissett as much as Sean Wagner McGuff did. We need a bell to ring every time we mention his name. I, I think he was injured for part of the season. They drafted Jacob Eason. <laughs> yeah, there's the sad trombone. <laughs> Um, they drafted Jacob Easton as well on day three, so he can sort of learn by watching. But Phil Rivers is going to be good, and we say it all the time when we talk about Phil Rivers. That offensive line for the Chargers was absolute straight-up dog doo-doo. It is so much better in Indianapolis. He'll be playing indoors. They use their two second-round picks on Michael Pittman, uh, the wide receiver, the big wide receiver at USC, Jonathan Taylor, the running back uh, out of Wisconsin. And that goes along with the players they already have, uh, Ty Hilton, Paris Campbell, um, Jack Doyle, the the tight end. So there's a lot of reasons to be excited about this offense, and they play in a division that includes um, Billy O'Brinson, which automatically makes things a, a little easier, I feel like. I think the Titans will probably come back to earth. And um, who's the other team in that division? Jaguars. Not, oh, not, the Jaguars. not particularly great. Forget about I mean, my, my question with them though, you know, I, I, I'm right there with you. I, I do think that they'll be much, much more improved. Love the weapons around Rivers, but – I sometimes have a little pause in the sense of it was all the Chargers. It was everything around Philip Rivers. That was, it was he was perfectly fine outside of, of the the cast around him. Like there's clearly something. You know, he clearly. I don't know if it was. You know, it's not fifty fifty. Was it seventy thirty? Like was it thirty percent his fall for poor play there? So I, I have to think that some of that might have to carry over with just another year in the league. I mean, you know, he knows the system with Frank, right? It, 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 he does. He has some familiarity there, but he is going into something different. And his play is somewhat diminished from his prime days with the Los Angeles Chargers or San Diego Chargers, as, as most people like to put them. Like, I wonder what that's going to look like translating. You know, yes, everything on paper looks great, but I'm not 100% sold that this is like a slam dunk, Peyton Manning going to Denver, Brady going to Tampa Bay type of like veteran quarterback move. Diva. Yeah, you, you're, 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 you're touching a nerve. Hey, I, know, I know, I know, I know. back, he's done. He's done. <laughs> it was good uh, no, no, I think uh, the Brady, I think the Brady Tampa Bay thing is interesting because people are like just blindly assume that Brady's going to be incredible. Like we haven't seen it, you know, we don't know. Yeah. I mean, totally. I do, I'm, I'm, I'm there with you too. I think it'll be, I think it'll be good in Tampa Bay. And 
Manning took a little bit of uh, time to adjust. The reason I think that Rivers would be good in Indianapolis is that law, the Chargers offense for so long has A, had a terrible offensive line, and B, has, especially under Anthony Lynn and then Mike McCoy before that, had uh, a, a really terrible habit of falling behind in games, being conservative but not effective, and then asking Phillip Rivers to mount some crazy comeback. And Rivers, look, like Jameis, he doesn't have a conscience. He'll throw. I mean, he's going to throw. Like, he's not going to – he doesn't care about his interception numbers. Like, he will pile up interceptions. No, he doesn't. I mean, he just doesn't like he's, he's going to put the team on his back and try to win the game as best he can. And I think that Frank Wright will have a more balanced approach that is designed to try and get ahead of like to get leads and to lean on the run game and then to use some play action. And the way that they've built out this, this roster in terms of the receivers with adding Michael Pittman, you have T.Y. Hilton, um, Naheem Hines, I, I know he's an NC State guy, I get it, I'm a homer, but he's a great I think he's going to have a great year. I think he's going to catch 75 balls. So, I mean, yeah, yeah like, I, I really think this skill, these guys that they have there fit fit what Phillip Rivers does well. And then having, uh, adding Jonathan Taylor, you know, adding or having Marlon Mack, they're going to have a run game. Like when Mack went out last year, they really struggled to run the ball well. And now they have Jonathan Taylor who can step in or maybe, you know, Mack steps in. If something happens to Taylor, he can't adjust. I just think there's, there's going to be balance to this offense and that, and it's going to alleviate the pressure on Phillip Rivers to go win the games by himself late. And that will make him more efficient and effective. I'm also well, curious to see qu- quickly just the, the maturation of like Paris Campbell and, and Pittman yeah, out of the gate yeah, here because they kind of have to stop relying solely on T.Y. Hilton. I feel like, you know, whenever he's off, you know, out of the lineup, they stink and they have no semblance of a passing game. You know, those, th- those two youngsters are going to be huge. You know, Rivers too, obviously, you know, distributing the ball and everything like that, but those guys are going to be big coming out of the gate. All right, Sully, give me uh, your first breakout offense. Oh, one, one thing quickly. To yeah. Sully's point, I would say 50% of uh, the crappy play last year was was all on Phillip Rivers, at yeah, least. I, I think 70-30 is a little played generous. Played terrible. Generous. He, had, yeah. he had played awful at times. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I I'm not trying think, to. I don't think he's washed up the way that people, I think people generally perceive that he's washed up because he had a bad season. He looked I washed think, up. I think he was just, I think he was pressing. I think he knew it was his last year in LA. I think he knew it was his last year on the franchise that drafted him. I think he knew that he had to, like, you, you see guys do that all, Tom Brady did it last year too. You know, Tom Brady did it down the stretch. He was pressing because he understood that this was it. This was the final stretch run for him in New England. He wasn't coming back and he felt the need to try and win games by himself because the, the natural pressure of this being it weighs on you. And, there is there is a a, a calmness, uh, something fresh and different about going to a new place that I think will impact Brady and, and Rivers. Well, I think Tom Brady wins a lot more football games last year with that Chargers group around him than Philip Rivers did. I mean, I think Philip Rivers. Well, I mean, Philip Rivers wins two games for the Patriots last year. No, yeah. what are you talking? If about? you swap quarterbacks, Chargers are you know I think the if you take the quarterbacks out, I think the Chargers offense now the offense, not the defense. But I think the Chargers had a better offense. I would much rather have Hunter Henry, Keenan Allen. I think Philip Rivers, I think Tom Brady probably would have taken the Chargers to the playoffs, but I don't think that Philip Rivers would have won four games with the Patriots. It's asinine. Who'd he throw into? He couldn't throw to good receivers last year. But the, the, the offense is, they predicated around Melvin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh! That's no idea. Um, all right. So one last thing before you go to tie. <laughs> I think I, I think I called T.Y. Hilton, Ty Hilton. Uh, that's how out of, out of shape I am on the names. So my apologies. Sorry, go ahead. 
Tyron Matthew. I'll go. I'll hold my sleeper, even though it, it alludes to the guy we just heard in, in breach. But I'll go with the Pittsburgh Steelers first, and it's really just all about uh, you know Ben Roethlisberger coming back. Like like to me. That is, you know, this team almost made the playoffs last year with, with a guy named Duck and a guy named Rudolph. I mean, it was just that to me alone is is impressive. And the fact that you're getting a, a Hall of Fame quarterback or a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback in, in Ben Roethlisberger coming back, supposedly healthy. It seems like a lot. there's a lot of good word coming out of Pittsburgh there. So if he is even close to the guy that we last saw him on the field, you're talking about an offense that can put up points with Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, James Washington, to me, and in the running game, too. James Conner needs to be healthy, but you still have Jalen Samuels, Benny Snell. I think that that offense, with now the addition of Eric Ebron, who I think is an underrated signing in all of this, I think he was kind of, you know, not great, particularly in Indy last year, but the year before that, when he had Andrew Luck, he was catching, you know, I think it was like 13 touchdowns, 700 yards receiving. And I remember going into 2019, he was talking about catching 17 touchdowns or, or breaking, I think it's Rob Gronkowski's record for the position. So now that he has a, a more polished quarterback in Pittsburgh, I, I think this offense could really pop. Yeah, I mean, I think this is, I don't even want to, and by the way, props to Sully for showing up and really, Sucking up to Ryan by bashing Philip Rivers. Oh, then- oh, oh, just wait. Breach is going to love this podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like, as you, as, as you can tell by Sully's choices, like, whatever you think of me, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I have new authority. Um, but I, I do, I do think this is one of those where, you know, you're picking, it's like, you know, we do like teams, four teams who missed the playoffs are going to make it this year. Like the Steelers are an obvious choice and it's a, and it's a good choice. I, I'm not bashing at all. I think picking them to, to break out on offense with a healthy Big Ben makes a ton of sense. I believe they have the second easiest schedule in the NFL this year. And last year, I mean, you know, we we love that defense with Minka Fitzpatrick. They were awesome after that trade. And but I don't think people realize like how good it was. If you look at DVOA, they were number three in the league. It was only the Patriots and the 49ers. And when we looked at them as like the, the best defenses that we've seen in quite some time, Patriots were on like a record pace, even though their schedule kind of, you know, was was misleading with that stat. But to me, you if they're even close to that number, the, the Steelers defense, and then you get Roethlisberger back and this offense really does what I think it's going to do. There's like a there is a sleeping giant here when you when you combine all those factors. And by the way, Debo points out that, uh, the make miss playoffs apparently coming next week. Teams, What's who, uh, next week? is it already August? Ah, I guess I got to write that story at some point, huh? Certainly haven't been told that I would be writing it next week. Is that still you? I'm sure I'll find out on like, Oh, I had volunteered that. I didn't know you'd be writing it. That, that makes me that. even happier. Then I'm going to have to do a bit more work. Yeah. I just want to add on to these other guys right now. I, I feel like I'm missing out with like dissing Philip Rivers. I didn't get a chance to do that. So I'm going to start cussing up a goddamn storm. Then so you have to do more work on your end. Um, James Conner reportedly isn't going to opt out, even though he beat cancer. Uh, Marcus Cannon, who we talked about, had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I think James Conner had Hodgkin's, Hodgkin's lymphoma, but he reportedly plans to play. So obviously that's important uh, for the backfield if he's there. Uh, Deontay Johnson going into year two. They drafted Chase Claypool, so two more weapons. Vance McDonald coach trying to bounce back from a crappy year last year because he had no one to throw him the ball. So, yeah, um, they should be good, but it's all up to Big Ben's arm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's – if Big – how much – well, yeah, I agree. If Big Ben's healthy, they're going to be great. And if he's not healthy, they're going to stink. And What's that's that over-under? Yeah. Uh, uh, what's the Steelers ever-under? I know you got it open. 
It's a podcast where four people ask one man the same question <laughs> over and over again. It is. It is nine, and it's uh, minus 120 for the over, plus 100 for the under. That sounds about right. So I who's would, won more games, the Bills or the Steelers? I mean, I would take the Bills just because we know that their quarterback's healthy. Yeah. The Big Ben's healthy. I don't want to bet on the Steelers without knowing that Big Ben's healthy. When I see his fat, bearded ass roll into camp and look sharp, <laughs> then, yeah, I'll, I'm in on it. But if he shows up and he looks like a tub of Chunky Monkey Ben & Jerry's ice cream, I'm going to have some questions to ask. All right. Fair enough. Um. I'm gonna, Debo, I'm gonna swear 14 times for the rest of this podcast to get you back. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, maybe. Oh yeah, I got one. I had one. Now I forgot it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the Detroit Lions. Why? For this, because Matthew Stafford was awesome when he was healthy last year, and then he missed a bunch of time for the same reason that that Big Ben, that that your boy, wait, you you, you thrashing the Lions? No. Pick? I'm not I'm not thrashing Matthew Stafford. I am thrashing the man who coaches Matthew Stafford, Sully's guy. There's a, a lot. There's a lot more ifs with Detroit than you know. There's one if with Pittsburgh. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not picking layups here. I'm a deep sleeper guy. I'm a guy okay. who. Likes, I'm not a surface level clown as I want. No, I'm just kidding. That's what I called. Uh, Sully, do you know who Brenton's 2020, 2019, excuse me, rookie of the year was? Offensive rookie of the year. It, wasn't it an offensive lineman? Here, yeah. That. So those are the, those are the okay. type of risks he's willing to take. Uh, well, look, they, they, up, they upgraded a bunch of pieces on the offensive line. Um, they have Marvin Jones. They have Kenny Galladay. Okay. Danny Amendola. Dang it. Okay. Um, they, Go on. If Matt, Matthew Stafford under Daryl Bevel was playing some of the best football of his career, he was bombing the ball down the field and connecting with Galladay. And I, they add DeAndre Swift. In the offseason, so that gives a little more juice. If Carrion can't get going, Carrion Johnson can't get going, you have to lean on Bo Scarborough. Uh, I just think it could be a, I think it could be a top 10 to 15 offense. And if with the upside, if they're a top 10 offense, that's a, this is a, a hit, a win, a breakout offense. And you're forgetting about TJ Hawkinson, their first round pick last year. Thank you, you know, Holly, he, yes. he hasn't, you know, he wasn't great last year. He, during flashed, his he flashed though. Yeah, he, there was, there was moments, but it wasn't consistent. If he can be consistent and actually live up to the level, I mean, we were, I mean, not us, but like, you know, it was talked about that this kid could be like Rob Gronkowski level, you know, it was, you know, I mean, he was that, that, that type of prospect. And so if you get that, then yeah, this offense is going to be pretty good. Don't forget that like tight ends typically do not explode in their first year in an offense. So I think, I think there, a lot more has to go right. I agree for the, for the Lions. No, offense. Ranked 18th last year, DVOA, according to everybody's football outsiders. And of course, your response will be, well, Matthew Stafford was hurt. Uh, the year before that, they were 23rd. So I just don't have any faith in. Well, wasn't Daryl Bevel's, what is his first year last year? No one's claiming Daryl Bevel's changing the face of a, of an offensive. I mean, Daryl Bevel has one bad play on his resume. Otherwise, he has a pretty good history of like operating offenses. Of running the ball. Sure. Okay. I mean, the Seahawks offense in, in, was, was great up until they passed the ball to, to, to... Uh, who's he passing Mal- to? Malcolm, uh. Well, he, t- he passed it to Malcolm Butler, but. Well, he was passing, who's he, who's he, who's running the slam? Oh, was it Lockett? What? No, it wasn't Lockett. It, it wasn't was Curse, uh, was it? It was a Jermaine Curse? It may have well, been. he made the crazy catch earlier, but I don't yeah. know if it was. No, it wasn't that. Jermaine Curse. It was, it was a smaller guy. I have that picture. Maybe it was Lockett. It was a little, it was a small guy. How do you have that picture? And I don't. And I'm in like a. Oh, Ryan, hey, Ryan took it. Ryan took it from I, the box. I was in the box. He had his cup cutter lens. 
And I didn't even see that it was intercepted. I had to look up and say, what happened? And someone said, uh, he just threw an interception, dummy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I can't remember who it was. It was a young receiver, a uh, smaller receiver. Anyway, all right, Lions, that's out on the limb. I'll give you that. I suspect it'll go the way of Gary Bradbury, but, hey, you're on the record. And you said they're 18th last year in DVOA. So, I'll, I mean, are we measuring this by DVOA or are we measuring this? Well, I mean, if they're successful, Matt Patricia will presumably keep his job, right? 83 was Lockett, right? I think it was Tyler Lockett. No, it wasn't Tyler Lockett. No, it was, but it was a, I think it might have been, oh, man, it wasn't, I think it might have been Tyler, though. It was a I remember there was a dude, I forget who it was, who was killing the Patriots. I didn't know who he was at the time. He was ripping them uh, all through the first half, and then they kind of shut him down because I think they put Butler on him for the most part in that game. But I forget his name. No, it, 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 I'm losing him. Hold on. Yeah, look, look up the picture, Brenton. Right, uh, give us your, uh, no, he's number 83. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Um, this is riveting podcasting. I know. <laughs> to uh, want want. So my next team, while you look that up, yes, it was Lockett, but the other Lockett, it wasn't Tyler Lockett. Ricardo Lockett. That's yeah, there. It is. Okay, uh, that's not the guy that I was thinking of that was lighting the pads up, but that's who it was. There you go. <laughs> I was like, I was like panicked, like looking for the player number. So I. I, I had it right. Why do you guys all the twenties? It's amazing. Yeah, I had it right, but then I, I talked myself out of it because I forgot about Ricardo. Tyler is the mm-hmm. go-to guy, but Ricardo was the one who was targeted on that interception. Malcolm Butler pulled off. All right, the Browns. So, the Browns. There you go. So um, I talked to Ken Carmen probably once every few weeks. The um, the CBS, the local CBS uh, sports talk guy in Cleveland. Humble Great man. guy, and the the. The Cleveland media are not, <laughs> they've, they've seen this movie a million times. They're not in any way, shape or form have any faith in the Browns. And the story that I keep hearing from Ken Carmen is, yeah, Blake, Baker Mayfield lost 15 pounds. Big deal. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be a superstar. But my response is, well, first of all, Freddie Kitchens isn't there. Uh, that's a good start. Second of all, Baker Mayfield's 23 or 24, however old he is. The fact that he's taking this seriously after a crap year, he had a really good rookie season, I think is an indication that he, he is, um, trying to right a wrong. Um, and, oh, by the way, Stefanski's going to lean on the run. We talked about Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt earlier. That'll help. Alex Van Pelt will be the OC. And their offense is stacked. If this offense was the Patriots' offense and Tom Brady was the quarterback, you'd predict this team was going to win 14 or 15 games. The fact they have to wear Browns uniforms and Freddie Kitchens was the most recent head coach makes you think they're a three- or four-win team. So and, and not and not even that. I mean, you're talking about you know the tight ends too. I mean, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with David and Joku, but they did just throw a boatload of money at Austin Hooper and Kevin Stefanski does use tight ends all the time, and we saw that in Minneapolis. So to me, that's something that's you know should be looked at there. I don't even know if they should trade David and Joku. I know he wants out, but if you can have two of those tight ends rolling at the same time, that's that's exactly what you would want in that type of offense. They do not want to trade him. He just knows that he's not going to. Like he's not going to play a lot this yeah. year, and he's just not going to get. He didn't do a lot when he was the only tight end there. So I mean, just you know, get better. They drafted Jedrick Wells. He's got to move to left tackle. So that's a concern. He played right tackle in college, moved to, right, uh, to left tackle. They signed um, Jack Conklin, which is a huge loss for the Titans. Offensive line's going to be better. Running game's going to be better. Baker, no, they, they got rid of Freddie Kitchens. They got rid of Freddie Kitchens. Cannot Jar- be overstated. <laughs> really yeah, yeah, that cannot be overstated. Stefanski is really smart and knows what he's doing, and he's a great play caller, and he's going to utilize, uh, you know, a ton of play action. I think that's going to play, and he's going to roll Baker Mayfield. I think I, I think it's a great call. 
I mean, I mean, say what you want about Kirk Cousins. Stavansky had him in like MVP conversations, which I, I don't think Kirk Cousins is an MVP talented quarterback. Right. So, I mean, if you, if you, if you just carry that logic over to Baker Mayfield, who I think is more talented than Kirk Cousins, then that's, that's going to be exciting there in Cleveland. Yeah, I agree. Uh, let's stick in the same division, Sully, for you. I know this uh, is turning into an AFC North podcast yeah. here, but, but hey, we'll take it. I'm going in, this is an honor of Breach, who unfortunately is not here today to witness this, but I'm going with the Bengals. I really am. I, you know, it's, it, they were terrible offense last year. I mean, it was just, it was not great. I think they were the third worst scoring offense, the eighth worst rushing offense, the 14 worst passing offense. They, it just was not great, but a lot can change in a year. And the biggest thing obviously is Joe Burrow coming in, changing things up there. I think in really, they're already talking about him starting right now. I think that's the big news this week, but I feel like that that has been the case even before they made the pick. I'm pretty sure that they were like, listen, man, you're starting out of the gate. Here's the playbook. You might as well start learning before we even call your name on draft night. So he's had like all of quarantine to learn the playbook and, and really kind of, you know, integrate himself into this offense. Now he hasn't had the reps that you would like to see him have, but he'll get that over the next couple of weeks here. And hopefully that will translate to some success on the offensive side of the ball. But not only that, the weapons around him are going to be amazing. AJ Green is seemingly all in and coming back and, and, and seemingly healthy. You have T Higgins that you just drafted. You do have Tyler Boyd. So there's three great wide receivers, or at least, you know, one very possibly elite wide receiver. And then you look at the offensive line there, you're getting your first round pick last year and Jonah Williams that was, you know, out due to injury. You're basically getting two first round picks with Burrow and Williams. And you never know what's going to happen with the tight end position. They got rid of Tyler Eifert uh, this off season. They did draft Drew Sample in the second round last year. I mean, Ryan, you might be able to tell me a little bit more about him, but you know, a second round pick, I, I would assume that there is a little bit of a pop there. I mean, we were just talking about Hawkinson where it takes a little bit for these guys to really catch on. But I mean, there's a lot of pieces that I, I really like here with, with Cincinnati. And if Joe Burrow continues this crazy pace that he's been on, like, you know, this, this offense could, could be pretty good. And it's the sixth e- easiest schedule in the NFL, the Bengals have. So you never know. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned Drew Sample. I was sort of surprised they drafted him in the second round. Um, he didn't get a lot of targets at Washington. I think they liked him more as a blocker initially. He's a really good athlete. So maybe he does come along. Um, but I think, I think you're right. I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I think this team could be good. And Joe Burrow, the way he played last year makes you think that he could help any team right away. I just wonder how long that, that, uh, progression is going to take just because of the lack of the offseason. But you know, we said the same thing in 2011 and Cam Newton came out and, and was lights out. And it's not lost on me the fact that they do play in, in a tough uh, division there. I mean, you look at the defenses that they're going to be playing twice a year. Baltimore is going to be great. Pittsburgh, I just talked about how I think they're going to be. Cleveland's a good defense, and they're the worst one in the division. Exactly. So, you know, that it's not going to be easy. But, I mean, I'm talking about a defense that was, you know, overall just like terrible bottom of pretty much at the bottom of the league in, in most categories. And I think that they're going to take a, a pretty significant jump. I don't know if they're going to be top 10 or anything like that, but you know, they're top 13, top 15. I, I think that, that I consider that a win. Yeah. I, Zach Taylor might get coach of the year. I think of yeah. top 15 offense. Uh, all right. I got a couple uh, sort of longer shots that I'll, I'll throw at you guys. One Carolina Panthers seems like a, a far-fetched idea, but hear me out. Uh, Christian McCaffrey. Good. We have established that as a factual good football player. Good football player. We don't need <laughs> we don't need to debate that. Uh two, terrible defense. Awful defense last year, and now they're adding 
Um, you know, a bunch of rookies. I don't, I don't, I think the rookies can be good players. I like the rookies they drafted. Yeder Gris Matos, uh, Derek Brown, Jeremy Chin, a bunch of other dudes. They do use every single pick in the draft on, on defensive players. Those guys aren't going to come in and immediately be awesome in a shortened Corona offseason. Uh, meanwhile, on offense, um, you know, you have Matt Paradis in his second year. You, you trade for Russell Okung. I know you lose, uh, Trey, Trey Turner. Is it Trey Turner? It was Trey Turner, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. No, that's, is it Trey Turner? Trey Turner's the shortstop for the Nationals. Are they both named Trey Turner? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think so, unless you're confusing me now. No, I, I was like, is it Trey Turner? <laughs> I was like, wait, he, 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 anyway, I'm having a, I'm having a week. It's spelled differently. Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, you add Robbie Anderson, Ian Thomas taking over for Greg Olson. I think Ian Thomas is a sneaky breakout guy. And then Teddy Bridgewater in a system that's going to be engineered by Joe Brady. If we can buy into the idea that Joe Burrow can make a leap this year, I think we have to buy into an idea that, that Joe Brady, who, by the way, is 30 years old, uh, can also make a leap into being becoming an offensive coordinator at the NFL level. Teddy Bridgewater has worked with him in part uh, in New Orleans when they were both there, so he sort of knows the system. There shouldn't be as much of a, a leap for him to, to have to make, a, a, you know, to bridge as big a gap. And Teddy Bridgewater throws short, and these weapons and more McCaffrey, Samuel, these are guys who can you get the ball in space and they can do damage. So I think this team will throw a lot more than people expect and has the potential just on sheer volume to creep into the top half of the league in, in, in points scored. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I don't know. I'm not it's, plucking it's, the low-hanging fruit here, fellas. Sure, sure. It, <laughs> and I, I got you. But, you know, I, I, I wonder – if we're looking at it in terms of, you know, the volume or like the quality, you know, is it going to actually be a good offense or are they just going to pad the stats? I think that's probably what you're going to look at. If you're looking, if you're, you know, the, one of the first things you're bringing up is they have a bad defense. That just means that it's going to, they're going to pad stats. Hey, but right. But if we're talking, I mean, sure, if we're, we're talking, talking like fantasy, who cares? Like, are we measuring it top half of the league in yards and points scored? Yeah. If that's the case, then yeah, that, that, so, that's, that's the criteria. Let me ask you this. Uh, more wins. And more productive offense, um, Bengals or Panthers? Mm, that's tough. I'll, I will say, I mean, I would rather put my faith in Zach Taylor. Uh, <laughs> Zach Taylor and, and Joe Burrow, I think. Yeah, I think I'm going with, with the Bengals. I didn't even mention Joe Mixon, who was a beast last year too. So, I mean, if you're going to compare those two, I mean, McCaffrey's way better, but like, you know, you still have a star running back in the backfield there for Cincy. Yeah. Yeah, you got AJ Green's a stud. We we they're both five and a half win totals. So we take the over under for both teams. I like the over for the Bengals. I think the Bengals are going to do something special. I like the under for the Panthers. I'm not sold on yeah. exactly what they're doing. Yeah. Um, the other team that we didn't mention, I think, should obviously fall in, in here is the Cardinals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, did, I think we purposely not, didn't put them in there just because it's such a, such a no brainer. We didn't want to like you know. Well, you got to be careful though, because like you know, we're like, what teams are the most consistent? And we were like, we're, we're not going to use the Chiefs or the Ravens, but we needed to tell people that. So I, mean, I think, but I, mean, I think the Cardinals count. The Falcons, I believe, were in the bottom half of the league in points scored. Hmm. So you could potentially take them if you wanted to. They could certainly have a bounce back season. Um, and then the other, te- oh, the other team that I think is sort of popular. I think this is a more a bit of a longer shot, but all you need is a second year quarterback to take a leap. Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos and even I would say the Las Vegas Raiders too. That offense could be really good. Yeah, if Henry Ruggs can start, Marcus Mariota. I agree, Marcus Mariota. Uh, all right, that's it for breakout offenses. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Thanks to Sully and Ryan for doing it. We will be back on Monday with a mailbag. Have a good weekend. 
Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.